You're listening to On The Road, a podcast powered by Autocar. Hello listeners and welcome to the final episode of the series. Uh, What a journey it's been so far. It's been amazing having such a wide array of people join us, uh, from riders to drivers and of course the operators themselves. Uh, To celebrate this finale, we'll be live streaming on Facebook. Hello Facebook people. Uh, There's no room for error literally, so let's get our game faces on. Uh, We're delighted to be joined by Michael and Wayne from Brunel. Hi guys, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Awesome. Uh, Brunel is obviously one of London's premier corporate private hire companies. Uh, We've also got Ish, as always, ever present from Autocar to give his valuable opinion and ask our community questions. And we've also got an awesome game towards the end of the episode, so stick around for that. Um, Let's start off with um, you guys. Uh, Michael, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, So my name's Michael. Smith, I'm the head of driver management at Brunel. Awesome. Um, kind of varied role, but we head up. I head up various different departments, from our full-time drivers to our part-time drivers, and sure. various things in between. Um, quite recently, we've obviously had a big change in the business um, from our older model to where we're at now with our new, uh, our new owners and stuff. So there's lots of kind of new projects going on. Yeah, you've got some questions about um, that later on coming on. Perfect. Okay. And Wayne, what about yourself? Awesome. My name is Wayne Elaine. Um, That's his real name. What a Wayne! Wayne Elaine. Used to be a Brunel driver, full time, going into now I'm a recruitment, the recruitment dude, so I now hire people like for self-employed drivers that's his official title that's my official recruitment, recruitment, recruitment dude, dude. <laughs> who are you going to see recruitment dude <laughs> so you've been, you've that been guy on, Wayne <laughs> so you've been on both sides of the fence I've been on both sides of the fence yeah. man. so you've got the experience yeah. the know-how you know what to say um, can I just ask if you if you had to let's say describe Brunel in a couple sentences to someone who, who had never known about you before yes which a lot of people do obviously because you've been around for a long time yes. here in London yeah um, what would you say um, I would say we're a premium corporate travel company. Uh, we specialise in high-end kind of transfers, mm-hmm. um, and we've yeah, we're kind of a family company. Uh, definitely, we used to be a family-owned company. It's kind of moved away a bit. We're a family company, and with that ethos, go throughout the business. So the way we deal with drivers to consumers um, to staff members as well. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I would say. You, you mentioned that you moved away from that a little bit um, because you guys had a takeover recently, right? Yeah, so um, so 2016, uh, we were bought by Europe Car. Um, so essentially, as I said, it used to be a family business. Unfortunately, old owner Bill Edwards passed away. Um, so it's passed on to his son, Anthony, um, and he kind of actively looked for a new buyer to take Brunel forward. Um, I'm sure most people are aware that the industry is a difficult place to be without some serious backing or without a real kind of plan to drive forward Um, and Anthony really didn't want to well he wanted to do his dad's legacy proud and part of that was to try and find someone who's going to support us in what we do so not change us at all Mm -hmm. but also help us take us on to that next level Um, and a big name like Europe Car is kind of absolutely yeah and you know for Europe Car obviously they've got something out of it in terms of the way they see their product going Mm -hmm. and the way they see their consumers and how they're going to consume kind of uh, mobility or Mm -hmm. moving around um, so it's kind of win-win for both. Um, so it helps them and it helps us. So it's a good working um, relationship. How do you guys, I guess, fit into the industry as it is? Because obviously it's blown up so much the last few years. Yeah. So many new competitors, obviously big names that we can all roll off our tongue. But, uh, you know, how do you guys fit into this new market? So, we, I mean, the kind of the big competitors, the kind of ride-hailing apps, we're not a ride-hailing app. So you or I couldn't go out there now, call Brunello and order a cab. Um, sure. We don't have an app. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we do have an app, but only available to our customers. So we concentrate on accounts. So we deal with FTSE 100 companies, corporate companies, okay. uh, train companies, law firms, etc. And we focus on their transfers. So it could be airport transfers, etc. So we're in a different kind of realm to the ride-hailing apps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're more of a traditional operator. Right. Um, so how do you feel about like this or this new competition that's entered the market recently? Different kind of competition now to us. Yeah. Mm. Because if I was to compare driving for... So can I listen? I'm going to listen. If I was no, to compare driving away, yeah. for Uber Go or for even it. like our boat, these ride-sharing apps, to Bruno is different, right? Because so driving, it's a different kind of clientele. Sure. So you can't, we're not picking up any Tom, Dick and Harry, right? It's specific people. Even economy, to me, is still like upper class. And upper mm-hmm. class is like, like upper class and like <laughs> special level. work, like yeah. S class and Viano is just like even better, right? So it's like, so when you compare, there's, there isn't a comparison because it's a different kind of market you're going to. Oh. People that we pick up for Brunel, 
most of the time aren't going to get an Uber car mm. or a boat car. It's different clients. So we're not taking their clients. They're not taking our clients. It's a different kind of clients. So you can't even really, can't really compare it. So there's enough work in it mm-hmm. for us. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and so them. Can I ask, would you say like maybe Green Tomato Cars being a possible kind of competitor since they um, do quite a lot of pre-planned bookings? See, I, I wouldn't say compare yeah. because I know Green Tomato Cars fairly well. Yeah. Lovely um, guys. We had yeah, Johnny yeah, recently absolutely. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, they're a great company. Uh, they've got great ethos. They've kind of come out of nowhere really in terms of where they were a few years ago and their success story and their story is fantastic. Um, I think as a whole, before the likes of the big ride hailing apps came along, there was more competition between companies like us and Green Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Now, as the time's moved on, I think most operators now accept that we need to start working together and actually use our skills, because we've had these skills for many years in the industry. People seem to think that kind of taxis started with Uber, and before yeah. that, there weren't any mini cabs. Uh, well, well, we took a taxi. Green Tomato was before it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you guys been around since the 80s, the 80s right? yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. And other operators as well, so there's much more kind of working together. Um, you know, if you have an account, we don't want you to lose that account. If you can keep it and we can help you cover that some of that work, then great. Mm-hmm. So you will actually find that companies like us and Green Tomatoes and others will work quite closely together. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But, but um, obviously with all, all these people entering um, the market in London, yeah. it's obviously changed the climate a little bit for, for everyone, not, yeah. not just um, for the people who are direct competitors, let's say. Um, do you think that's been a, a good thing, a bad thing? Have you noticed the changes? Have you felt them? Definitely noticed the changes. Um, so I started in this year about 2012 with a kind of smallish minicab company and we were growing very quickly. Then Uber came along and our driver numbers just went like that. Um, so there was definitely a few years where the industry weren't ready for Uber. They weren't ready for you know what they could offer drivers. They weren't ready for the money that they had and the way they could push it out. And the industry was slow to react. But I think as time's gone on, we've actually started to benefit from it. We've got more people becoming PCO drivers now. You've got yeah. people who wouldn't have even considered it before starting to become PCO drivers. And the industry, like us ourselves, we've had to adapt. And so actually we found that, you know, as we adapt and not become like Uber, but we offer solutions to drivers like Uber, then we actually found that Uber's help because it's mean that we've got this brand new pool of drivers. And we all, you know, we're all aware that the industry has grown. You know, the amount of people taking taxis in London is increasing. Uh, That's only going to increase year on year as we have stuff like, you know, the car ownership's almost vilified now. People aren't encouraged to own cars. That's only going to grow. And I think companies like Uber and the rest have kind of, helped accelerate that growth. Well, we were saying just before we started the pod yeah. uh, about the numbers being, mm. I think, 40,000 a couple of years yeah. ago, drivers-wise, yeah. to now about 110, 120, mm. it's pretty around that ballpark. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a huge increase Absolutely. and, you know, it gives all kinds of positive. When yeah. Uber came in, Uber, companies like Uber and Bolt and then ride-sharing apps for, as a driver's perspective, the only thing they've done is make it positive. And the reason why is because when they came up, they shook up the market. Mm. So now drivers have choice who we work who, yeah. who you want to write, who you want to yeah. drive for, right? And not only that, customers have choices. Yeah. They can captain, buy van, blah, blah, yeah. blah, before you never had that. Like, if you took 2013, 14, and just Uber, 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 all of a sudden these other companies are coming with the same and now there's competition. And oh my God, Uber's now got... And also, not only have drivers and passengers got choice, but it shook up, it shakes up customer service, right? So companies come in and they don't, they don't offer, like, you can't, phone no one or anything, everything's by email and you've got no one to talk to. Mm. That's absolutely pointless. As a driver's perspective, if someone's sick in my car or something, I should not have to take a picture of that and email it. Why have I not got a phone that I can phone someone? Mm. So look, and as time's going on, these ride-sharing apps and say are looking and they're only becoming better, right? Mm-hmm. Which is then shaking up other companies. Well. Like I only chat, see it as a positive. Yeah. I only see it as a positive. But um, realistically, all these companies were when they started out was just they were just an app mm-hmm. that just shared. You had someone. You had it was an app. app that as a driver used to frustrate me and frustrate sure. a lot of drivers. But now. A lot of things. It's only positive, and I only yeah. see positive. Yeah. Coming she's been forced to, to, yeah, like I said, adapt and change yeah. to this and improve. So we've got like live chat features, yeah. 24/7 calls now. If it's an issue with a driver, yeah, um, yeah, it's like I think it's a benefit for the driver. And I think that's positive for us, where the apps kind of fall down for drivers is that relatability, almost mm. that person on the other end, and that's where companies like us, Green Tomatoes, traditional operators, that's where we have our strength. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a problem at Brunel, you can come down and you can have a chat with Wayne. Mm-hmm. You can email me directly and I'll get back to you as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. There's that person on the other end who's hold, got hold, that. Hold, hold you. Uh, please do, please do, please do. <laughs> honestly, you if you email me, you know, we will get back to you and we try to relate to the drivers where possible. And these apps don't have that human element and they do, and you know, no disrespect to any of the apps out there, but because of their, their models and stuff, they can't afford to have that connection with all of their drivers.
business. Whereas we can, because that's where we come from. We're a family business and we fully maintain it. You know, I've been in this game a while now and the, for me to, to keep drivers loyal and, and working for you, it is all about building up that relationship mm-hmm. and making them feel like if there is a problem, then they can come and speak to Michael or Wayne and they're going to be spoken to like they're a colleague and they're going to mm-hmm. be treated with respect. Um, you know, you can't promise drivers lots of things in the industry. You can't promise them how much you're going to earn, how busy they're going to be, but you can promise them that we're going to treat you as, as, as a member of staff, we're going to give you that respect. We're going to try our best to you know, help you with the problems that you have. And that's a strength for us. And I think, you know, yes, the apps can do more than we can in some ways, but they can't match us with that. And so that's been a strength because it really emphasizes that point mm. of us. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you mentioned the kind of communication aspect. Do you think mm. there are other things missing from kind of other operators at the moment for drivers? What, what are the pain points that you see in a lot of people that you meet? I think um, drivers in general, from what I know, you know, drivers have always been kind of the last thought for a lot of companies for many years because it was always that, you know, uh, the power was with the operator. Um, you know, they had the work, the driver needed the work, so the driver had to come to them and kind of um, be deferential to them, right? Now it's changed because the driver has much more power. Um, you know, the driver can go and work for multiple different apps. Um, so other companies, I think, have been slower to react to that um, in terms of trying to offer drivers something a little bit more um, relationship management almost, you know, that way to talk to people. Um, I've never been a driver myself, to put it out He's there. the man. Wayne is the man. So I think, <laughs> Wayne, you're better suited to say, you know, these apps and whatever else. In terms of getting through to people, and and also because keep in mind that a lot of people do love them, a lot of people love the flexibility, they love of the course. lifestyle mm-hmm. of Uber. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's why most people are self-employed, and most the, mi- the minicab game or whatever isn't an employed game, right? These are times where a lot of drivers are doing. These people sometimes are doing 12, 15 hour shifts, six hours a week. A lot of these people are providing families, paying their mortgage. A lot of it's more than just driving a car. You look at it and you just think, oh, this guy's just driving a car. He's it's more than driving a car. Some people are sending money back to originally where they come from they're funding yeah, a lot of people everyone's got a story right yeah. so um yeah and it's i think it's a thing where if you don't appreciate your drivers the thing is if every driver stopped driving for for us or for any cover company you've got no business mm. so many companies like uh whatever they just see it as some companies see it as oh you know what the most important is the client the client the client mm. The drivers are more mm-hmm. or equal, right, as the client. If they you've got no driver, yeah, they are the client. So it's like, well, if the driver's not driving anyone, everyone goes on a strike, you've got no business. Yeah. So therefore, value your drivers. Yeah. Well, speaking about drivers, I think uh, we'll come back to the car fleets a uh, bit maybe afterwards. But yeah. maybe if you wanted to tell our listeners and um, people watching on Facebook a little bit about how a driver would work for, for Brunel. How does it work? I've seen your yeah. website, you've got a kind of economy and business yeah. situations going on there, the kind of commission rates, fixed mm. rates. If you want to just give you know a minute or two to describe yeah, that. Yeah, sure. So we've got a um, traditional business model for us and most operators in London where the, the driver gets the vehicle from you and then he's committed to you to work kind of for 12 hours a day or however long the shift is and he works with you Monday to Friday, maybe an occasion he does a weekend day. Um, we still have that model. Um, that isn't, uh, where we see the most growth for drivers and it's kind of we're trying to slowly move away from that model and match what drivers want which is the flexibility yeah so we have that model where they can work for us kind of on a full-time basis uh, we've also got flexible drivers so they can come and log in and out when they please sure. um, they can use their own vehicles we advertise our busy time so we make it abundantly clear when we're busy when we're quiet mm. as a corporate company it isn't uh, we're not busy say for example at Croydon at 10 30 at night because all of our clients are coming from the city out of town. Um, so for example, E14, Canary Wharf, a lot of the larger banks around there use us to take the staff members home. So we advertise to the drivers, we're busy at this time. Um, if they do 20 jobs a week, we pay them a hundred pound bonus. Mm-hmm. And we're very clear with our advertised mileage rates as well. So what we advertise on our website of our mileage rates um, is what the driver gets in his pocket. Um, and we also actually do full-time employer drivers as well. So we've got a, a fairly small fleet of guys. Is who that for like pre-planned trips? Correct, yeah. So or most bigger, or bigger corporate events, that kind of yeah, thing? Most yeah, most of our work is pre-planned because okay. we don't deal with members of the public. Yeah. Most of our work is kind of planned the day before. There's only certain times of the day where we do get a lot of kind of as soon as possible bookings, ASAP bookings. That tends to be when people are going home from work. 
Um, so because of that, we do also need a proper team of PAYE employed drivers, holiday pay, sick pay, to really pick up that work and make sure you know they're looked after. Does the wages differ between them and those who work on a flexible basis, or is it? It's kind of it, it, it stacks up to be to be the same if they work the same hours. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, obviously, as a PAYE employee, you do get the protection of holiday pay uh, and other things as well. Um, but generally, our self-employed drivers can actually earn more on a monthly basis, but obviously their expenses are evidently higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but Generally, if you do those kind of hours that those guys do, then you're going to earn roughly the same at the, um, okay. at the end of the month. Well, I've actually seen your website. You say that you offer one of the highest rates of pay yeah. um, for drivers. Can I ask, what, what is that? So we pay 140 per mile and a 550 minimum during off-peak times. Um, there's loads of off-peak times. I'm not going to reel them off. Um, but we also pay 160 a mile with a £7.50 minimum during peak times. Right. Um, so generally so how does that compare to like other companies for people who think about it more like percentage? yeah so I think and that's 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 after commission as well so that's that's mm. what the driver earns so I think Uber pay I think is about a pound a mile roughly right. I think most of the other apps are around those levels um, so yeah we, we, we're generally higher on that on that on that kind of on a fair by fair basis um, you know I, I will caveat that because we do like to be honest with drivers mm. and say the work is fundamentally very different you know, if you get a job from Canary Wharf to Croydon, for example, you may get paid more for that job, but the likelihood of you getting a job then from Croydon afterwards is quite low. Yeah. So, you know, dead mileage comes yeah. into it. Mm. But generally on balance, you know, if you stick with us and you work with us, then, you know, you will see the benefits of earning that money. Um, and and is that done by a controller or a, an algorithm? So it's, uh, a, it's, question we wanted to it's a mix of both. So okay. we've launched a new app recently, which is fully automatic. So it, it kind of only works on an automatic basis. We'll always have controllers there to kind of help drivers out if they've got problems sure. or if something's gone wrong, then they're there to help drivers out. Um, but we also have um, an element of work will be pre-planned for some drivers as well. Um, you know, obviously we're dealing with high-level corporate clients. We can't afford to leave that there till 20 minutes to go, and then yeah, nobody yeah, yeah, yeah. logs in to take but, the job. We're in trouble. But obviously, we, we've talked to quite a few drivers, and on this podcast as well. And that idea of a controller is something that frightens a lot of them because they they think that you know there could be an element of discrimination there, or some people getting the jobs. Yeah, yeah. that's then, the old school thing. Um, the old school thing would yeah. be yeah. the, the controller's only going to give work yeah. to yeah. the people. Yeah, that they're and they're like, not right? envelope. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like and obviously that was a big big pull towards. Uber in the first yeah, place because exactly. it, it, yeah. it doesn't discriminate on that level. So, so how would you settle people's fears? Yeah. On that front? Uh, so, you know, I think that was definitely an element of the industry years ago. I think back office minicab office certainly operated like that. Uh, Brunel, we don't operate like that. You know, the controllers and I, you know, it'd be nice to get someone sitting in there. You know, they actively work to make sure that if a driver's had a bad day or he's not earned money, then you know what? The next day we're going to make sure that we try and get him into work wherever possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, the idea of favourites and stuff doesn't exist. Um, you know, on a personal level as well, drivers bring gifts and stuff and all this, and we're like, no, we don't even take gifts, you know, because that can even uh, accuse, you know, I've had drivers brought me in like African tribal suits and all this stuff, and I say to them, look, you know, bring in, bring in some cookies so we can share yeah. it, and it's fine, um, but no, we, you know, we're, we're very against that, because at the end of the day, it comes down to simply, you know, these guys are human beings, they've all got mouths to feed, they've all got families to feed, and there's a real understanding of that. Um, you know, so it's impossible to discriminate one against the other because you're essentially saying, right, well, you know, your family and your kids are more important than them, and that's a, that's just a fallacy. Plus, right? we're a real company. Every single yeah. person that I take on, there's not many companies you're going to go to, especially being hired by a driver, ex-driver, who can tell you the game, right, and tell you like the game has changed since whenever. Mm. And also, I mean, look, you join us when you come to over to me. I see you as like. We're like a family, right? Mm-hmm. So not only Bruno, I give you a jacket, I give me a lanyard, I give you a welcome book, you get I give t- you a get, pen, like, so- ties and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I give you a tie. Like cool. where else are you going? You actually you're, you're, wore one tie. I wore my tie. Take the tie off. Or a cool tech yeah. startup, you know? They yeah, don't wear ties. We're, we're a bit informal here. We yes. give you like a we give you like a welcome to Bruno. Plus, I give you a mobile number. Like I got a Bruno phone. And I'm like, call me, I say call me from nine to nine. Drivers do call me at 12.05 a.m. and go, my app is frozen. They're not supposed to call me about that time. But like that personal relationship is something I'm trying to build. And I think when I got in this position, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do things differently. Because I remember, you know, when you're a driver, you're like, oh my gosh, if I was in that position, I would do this and I would do that. I'm doing that now. And even when drivers come over and like the company might tell me, Michael's like, what do you, I might, the company might tell me, look, this is what you're going to earn, Aurora. And I'll say realistically right now, especially in like a quiet period, like July, August, this is what my drivers are making, right? Cause I don't, I don't like to be lied to. So if you're coming over to this company, I want you to stay here, right? Plus 
for me, the what, the best form of advertising is word of mouth. I don't want you to badmouth the company. And anything you badmouth the company, you're going, Wayne, where the lady told me this, where the lady sold me a dream. I want you to, yeah, yeah, I don't want none of that. A dream. And you're going to remember that way in the lane, right? So there's only one. So I want to be as truthful as I can with you, and I want you to tell people and sign up. And for me, in the last two months or whatever, it's working, and people are coming back. I've had no issue. And believe me, when there's an issue, they call my mobile phone <laughs> because they have that personal person that they yeah, can deal sure. with, right? Yeah, yeah. I think and you're not getting that anywhere else. I think in general as well, the, the idea that the controller still holds a lot of power, that that is dying out because yeah. and c- computers so take it, it should be, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we have a fantastic control team at Brunel, mm. so I don't want to sit here and it's certainly not. You know, they do a really good job, but they have less involvement in terms of, right, you know, which drivers get which jobs. A lot mm-hmm. of it is now done by computers, and a lot of companies will be fully automatic, yeah. uh, which we are for the majority of our work. It's only the kind of really high-level stuff, the proper executive, first-class work, mm-hmm. chauffeur work, that is a little bit more kind of hands-on control. Mm-hmm. In terms um, of, um, ask about uh, requirements and eligibility for yeah. drivers, yeah. I think it's a bit different uh, to your normal kind of private yeah, uh, so, um, share operator. So how can you give a quick explanation to yeah, how that sure. works? Yeah, sure. So we, we, we ask to uh, see your license beforehand. Mm-hmm. We don't want anyone with more than six points. Mm-hmm. Um, we need an element of control. You know, you could be the nicest guy ever and but speed everywhere and loads of customers really puts that off. Um, we also ask for a full, we want to see your DBS check as well, um, mm-hmm. because TFL will issue licenses to people with certain convictions that we look at and we say, well, look, you know, we're dealing with corporate clients. Unfortunately, with certain convictions, mm-hmm. we just can't take people on. Uh, we do ask people to do a bit of a knowledge test as well when they sign on, so they have at least a basic understanding of London roads, less so than it was you know, 10 years ago when SatNav didn't exist. Mm-hmm. There is more of an understanding that you may not know where the Ivy Hotel is postcode-wise, but mm-hmm. if you, you know, wanted to take me there you'd have no problem so what, what does that test consist of is it just getting in a car with a driver yeah, and asking you, them to take you somewhere because you did say there was like a, a yeah on, on the site it does say um, driving knowledge you have to have a first class knowledge of London yeah, yeah so, yeah. so um, what it's, does that mean how, it's how we actually that? give them a topographical test essentially mm-hmm. um, so there used to be a hundred questions on there uh, when I came in, I reduced that ever so slightly I mean, because 100 questions. 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's ni- 99 and a half. Um, no, it's now like 40 questions, but it's basically... Uh, well, that's you know, longer than TFL's test. Yeah. Well, but this is it. You know, TFL... Yeah. Um, You're researching it now, aren't you? I am a little bit, yeah. You can teach them the ways, I mean, the TFL actually. one, arguably, is, is does seem um, quite easy, yes. let's say. Uh, uh, no, but uh, it, it's something that it doesn't seem like a lot of drivers really no. use a map on a day-to-day basis. Exactly, and I'm going to caveat with what we're doing by the general day-to-day, you're going to get away with what you do with a sat-nav. You don't need to have an absolute, you know, black cab level of knowledge. You know, even black cabs sometimes will use sat-navs. I've got one. They do. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, the sat-nav not, is actually... No, it's true, some do. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, sat-nav <laughs> in times can be the more powerful thing, right? You know, it's it's a computer and yeah. it's based off traffic and sat-nav. Yeah, like data so, which you can't control. Exactly, but we would like yeah. to know that if your sat-nav went down, you would have at least a basic understanding of the M4 goes to Heathrow. So we ask questions like, how many terminals are there at Heathrow? You know, name some mainline terminal stations. Where's the Ivy Hotel? Uh, where's the Dorchester Hotel? Mm-hmm. Where would you find, um, you know, Gaucho Restaurant? Or, you know, little things like this. That sounds pretty difficult. Yeah. It's can, you, can you tell me? Do you, uh, do you know? I, I couldn't answer Wayne? any of this. Wayne, 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 so I hope you could. The pressure I'm, is on. Come on, Wayne. I've never seen it. If I was taking an EasyJet flight, where in here? You know, you know, you know <laughs> the funny, how I, uh, my knowledge. He actually did the test and passed. Okay. So you know what? On the record, on the record. Realistically, I'm not going to talk about me, but realistically, <laughs> realistically, yeah, a sat-nav does tell you where you're going, yeah. but listen, you need to know the you basic of London, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. because yeah. a sat-nav sometimes, yeah. if it's, so if I'm driving someone at one o'clock, I don't, 1 a.m., I don't need to go back roads, no. sometimes I can just go, I just exactly. need to go around the main yeah. back roads and the bumps, you're making it longer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. don't know the basics, you're yeah. just going to make it, and a lot of us, when we're in a cab, we, if we're drunk or whatever, we just want to get to where we're going to. If you're going the longest way over... In a safe and precise manner, of yes, course. Absolutely. Yeah, in a safe, because of the speed limit, obviously. Yeah, you need to know the um, basics. Maybe not as extreme as knowing yeah. where the Ivor Hotel is or whatever, but you need to know the basics uh, of London. And also that test for kind of those questions, so it isn't kind of like a pass or fail. So it isn't that you come in and if you get loads wrong, we're going to say you can't drive for us. But what it does help us determine is like, right, how good a driver are you? We're not just going to take anyone and go, right, there's an E-class, off you go, mm. go and pick up the CEO of a FTSE 100 company. 
However, if you've done very well in your test and you can see that you've got a working knowledge of London above your sat-nav, then it shows that you've got a bit of experience. And worst case scenario, if that guy you know, said, I do not want you to use your sat-nav or your sat-nav breaks down, we're not gonna have a problem where you're gonna call us and go, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, you know although we do have a test there, there is, you know, it's not, we're not solely going right. If you don't know where the Ivy Hotel is, we can't work with you. So, so how, how do you test for something like um, driver manner? Driver manner. So it's interesting, really. Um, so we do try and do a little bit of a drive around with drivers. Um, more recently, we're looking at a technological approach to it. Um, so we've got, um, we're doing a trial at the minute with a company um, where they've got uh, dash cams, um, but they pick up on driver behavior. So if the driver's distracted, it will tell you that the driver's distracted. So if he keeps his eyes off the road for five seconds, then an audible clip is made and you can look at those clips mm. and then it builds up a score okay. of the driver. Um, it's a lot of data to, to it's a, store, the, yeah. These cameras are amazing. We've, we've kind of looked into things yeah. uh, from our side. Yeah. They're incredible. Big fleet, you know, Afterwards, yeah. I'll tell you the company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you um, also testing like their English or how they talk with passengers or is that not? Absolutely. So, you know, we have an interview with a driver in beforehand. Um, okay. We do have a chat with them. Uh, generally, we're asking kind of a few qualifying questions such as, you know, um, certainly for the full-time drivers who are going to work with us on a more regular basis we ask them like scenarios such as you find yourself in Covent Garden you've been sent the postcode for a location but you don't know where the pickup is tell me what you'd do mm -hmm. and just learn kind of gauging their response um, what would they do would they call the passenger would they call control what would they do to try and find it and that generally gives you a good idea of A how good their English language skills are uh, but also what they would do in certain situations how they would communicate um, so. so would you argue that more companies, like even the Ubers and people like that, should be doing things like that? Or do you think it's something specific to your Different clientele company? though. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Different clientele. Definitely. I think, I think you don't want to, the, the realities of it now are that most people when they get in an Uber or a Via van or whatever, they just want to get home. They don't really, they're not overly bothered with the driver's communication skills. As long as they can take them from A to B in a safe manner, you're okay. So, you know, we've got varying different degrees of work. Um, some of it is less kind of uh, high level than others. Uh, for the more high level work though, we need to be strict, um, simply because these guys will have to engage with these clients. They will have to think on their own two feet. If there is a problem, you know, we can't babysit you kind of through problems. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of both. You know, I, I personally would say that, you know, you, you can afford to put a little bit less emphasis on it um, as long as you kind of kind of continually track that driver and check his performance. Because you know, you're gonna get feedback on that driver from passengers and stuff anyway. So do you have a rating system or? Um, we, so the new app that we've launched will, um, it's not quite out for our consumers at the moment. Um, what we do at the minute, because it's because it's corporate clients, what we do is we send a text message off and say, if you, you know, please rate your journey. If they give a one star, then our customer service team will get in contact with them and actually get a report about the driver. Okay. Um, and then we will build off that. Mm. Um, and we obviously have keep a, all record of drivers um, but you know we, we, we are about um, trying to teach drivers you know if they have made a mistake they've made a mistake mm -hmm. um, you know and that's absolutely fine everyone makes mistakes I certainly have in my mm -hmm. line of work um, so we do try and work with drivers and educate them and say well, what if you did this time if you did it this way this next time there won't be a problem okay. um, so I see rating as an important on both sides again as a driver because if you had a bad customer right and you keep getting that same bad customer and you have sorry and you have no <laughs> bad and you haven't had it reported and you keep getting that same bad customer maybe if it was reported we would stop driving that customer so again for me i sit from my point of view it's important to rate the passenger and the passenger to rate the driver it's exactly the same and i think uh, with uh, if you do a rating system for both a lot of miss headaches would stop happening mm -hmm. that's a good time to move on actually to the cars themselves obviously mm -hmm. drivers love the vehicles and sort of like private hire yeah um so kind of what kind of what types of cars do you actually have in your fleet we've seen a few ranging from the prius to yeah. the mercs and stuff and yeah. everything in between so look. yeah uh, so obviously owner drivers can sign up with anything well within reason not reliant robin uh <laughs> anything that's no older than two years old yeah. Um, so we've yeah. already got quite a few of your drivers coming to work with us in auto cars, which is sure. fantastic. Um, some nice Kias. Yeah, Kias. I are really great. like them. I yeah. do genuinely like them. Um, More space inside. Yes. Uh, so we kind of we've got uh, Priuses, Aurises, uh, Toyota Corollas, um, and then for executive work we've got the standard E class, um, Vianos, and also S classes mm. as well. Obviously, that's great for us because um, 
you know, for our drivers because all of our cars are, are new, yes. cheeky yeah. plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Relatively, well, <laughs> but yeah. um, did you do you find that that's kind of hard for other drivers? Maybe like updating, make sure it's not. Too it used to be. Or? It used to be much more of a problem, um, but I think it's less of a problem now. I think drivers are. You get much more drivers renting cars. I think you generally have less drivers owning their own vehicles just because of the nature of the work. And ULES is coming now, which has completely changed the game in terms of these old cars now are just dropping off. If you want to pick up an old E-Class, now is the time to try and buy an old E-Class, just putting it out there. Um, so it hasn't, it hasn't really ever been a problem for us. It's kind of like something that drivers generally do anyway. Um, and, you know, you know, working with guys who rent cars for us is great because, you know, if you're going to rent a car, you're generally going to rent yeah. a newer car. There's also um, a rent to buy as well, which is something we do where yes. you can obviously rent a car but get something at the end. So I still, I'd say there's still definitely an element of ownership that drivers want hmm. on a flexible scheme. But yeah, generally speaking, the market's definitely moved towards hmm. having newer cars, as, as we spoke before the podcast about it. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that obviously helps your situation with the whole two-year two yeah. policy. Yeah. Well, it's better for the driver as well because the newer the car, the more economical it is. Yeah. Um, Loads of benefits. Yeah. Um, it's less likely to break. And it's a beginning, it's cheaper as well. Yeah. When I started driving, you could buy a car two and a half grand, as long as it was PCO or mm. PCO in the next mm. last 10 years, mm. PCO it. Mm. You can't do that now, no. man. <laughs> so it's a lot more money. So renting a car or rent to buy yeah. is so much easier. But before, that option wasn't even there before. Yeah, and if yeah. you could rent a car, it was like through the roof. So now, now I'm sitting, I'm like, oh, that's yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why was it better? Yeah. 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 Well, that's when we actually had a lot of strength kind of going back many years because you know drivers would find it hard to get finance or would find it there wasn't really a rental company out there they could go get cars so drivers would come to us and they they could only get kind of work for us because if they work for us they get a car but they can only work for us but now companies like yourselves you know it gives drivers more options which is yeah, ultimately great for everybody because yeah. the more flexibility drivers have the more happy yeah. they are and then they're going to I, I actually have a question here from Bilal. Um, we asked our community to, to um, send us across any of their questions, and he wanted to know um, how come you guys haven't uh, moved into the EV game yet? Uh, <laughs> we had to ask. Yeah, Sorry, no, we yeah. get we get asked this on a regular basis. So it's kind of twofold. I think people look at us and they think, "Oh, but Eurocar back you? Surely Eurocar can go to all these bigger manufacturers and get you loads of cars." They absolutely can. Um, the, the problem of getting electric cars isn't the issue. So the issue at the moment is twofold. So first of all, I'm not convinced on an operational level that the charging network is in place to run a, run a circuit. As, a, as a, a member of the public using electric cars, it's not a problem. Because you can go to the shops, you can go overnight, but if you're working in that car for 12 hours, you know, it's, the, the charging network isn't there. Um, that's one part of it. However, I think that will catch up very, very quickly. I think there's loads of companies out there building on that. And I think yeah, you know, it has changed, obviously, from yes. our side. We've, we've, we've been kind of following the market, yeah. and as a company, we decided to move to a kind of all-electric slash yeah. plug-in yeah. fleet yeah. From, from, yeah. from next week, actually, yeah. already oh, started. Yeah. So mm. we, we do see it changing, but yeah. we understand there are obviously naturally lots of concerns yeah. around that. It's our, it's our job to try and alleviate those fears yeah. and, and do the content and try and help drivers yeah. make the right decisions. Of course, and I think, you know, um, if drivers... So we... Uh, I think it was actually one of your drivers the other day uh, had a plug-in hybrid mm-hmm. and he was yeah. saying yeah. you know he does use the plug-in option and it, yeah, it works so cars, I think that's yeah. a that's a nice little mix really because yeah. you get both best of both yeah, yeah. in between cards um, I but, think from our perspective as well I mean obviously there's no right answer but you know if you're giving someone a new car I think we just thought as well like the charging infrastructure is improving yeah. over time and Absolutely. if it's a car for the future yeah. then an EV definitely or, or a plug-in it definitely seems to be um, something that's kind of long term, at yeah. least in the way that London's going at the moment, with regulations, etc. Yeah. yeah, I think because at the main the main reason for us is just because because Eurocar do source these vehicles essentially on our behalf. Um, the resale value on an electric car might be slightly lower than 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 a diesel car, so a lot of it is down to kind of just practicality in terms of that. So we'd say it's a question of time. Rather than yeah, it, um, listen, yes we're, no. we're we're looking into yeah, it, yeah. Um, Bilal. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are looking into it. It's something that we definitely look into, but at the moment we've kind of just taken you know whatever on, so it's uh, just not not in the immediate future. But I think if you're not looking at it now or even in next year, then you're going to be forced to look for it in 2021. I don't think uh, TfL and uh, City Hall have stopped where they're at with you, Liz. I think it's going to get more severe. And um, a very good uh, colleague of mine, Mr. Frank, who runs our uh, first class and roadshow teams mm-hmm. are kind of the high-end stuff he is adamant that we're going to have a corporate company turn around to us and say we do not want any more diesel cars picking mm-hmm. our clients right. up 
So we may actually have our hand forced in a way yeah, by our corporate clients. Yeah. And I can, I'll back Frank, there you go Frank, I'll back Frank <laughs> and say that I, I do believe that is the case. Yeah. You know, people are getting more aware. Um, so you, you mentioned Heathrow, um, sorry, you mentioned uh, ULEZ. Yes. Uh, my point was that, you know, there's the new proposals over um, a Heathrow ULEZ coming in place over mm. the next couple of years, which yeah. again, more push people towards high-end, you know, six vehicles or electrical plug-in. So it's changes happening all around us. And it's your yeah. job and our job, yeah. uh, kind of in this space to kind of yeah. adapt to it and you know. You, you take it is, is a bit of a tricky one for me. Um, I, you know, I completely understand why TfL are doing it. Clean air is obviously massively important. I suffered from yeah. asthma as a kid. Not to say a sob story, but I'm sure that was because of where I live, right next to a main road in London. But I'm not sure about ULIS. I'm not sure for how much. It's actually doing in terms of benefiting it. Because well, I did say like there was, I can't remember the, the style off the top of my head, but yeah. you know, the majority of cars now coming in and out of the US zone are now US compliant. Because yeah. they obviously, people had enough time in yeah. advance to, to make the switch and you know, all of our cars since 2016 are ULEZ just all of, naturally yeah, because that, of the age of which that, we started as a company. And so. that's, my, that's my point in it. You know, yeah. When ULEZ came around, all of our cars were Euro 6, every single yeah. one of them we have. Yeah. So you do question it, well, you know, I get it, but maybe, maybe it could be, you know, that's why I think mm. my point earlier that by 2021 or 2022, I think that will get more severe. Yeah. Um, and there's the North Cirque, they're going to extend it to the end of the North Cirque, Ulez, I think. Yeah. And there's the South Cirque. Yeah, 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 within a few years it'll Absolutely. be everywhere. And it will be, you know, not just in London, it will be Nottingham, it will be Liverpool, it will be Birmingham, mm. it yeah. will be everywhere. Because Every city's got their own I think, point. yeah, great, uh, the message of it um, helping with lower emissions, etc. Sure. But we must also look at the council's budgets are getting slashed, um, yeah. and this is just another way for them to desperately get that revenue in that they desperately need, yeah. you know, so it's just another. Well, it was interesting because we had quite a lively chat with um, Johnny Goldstone, obviously from Green Tomatoes yeah, yeah. last, last week, and... Um, he was really um, against it, not because of the principle behind it, but just because he thought it was kind of unfair. And I think he even said uh, it's a di almost a discrimination against private hire drivers. Are you talking about the congestion charge? Sorry. The, this is the congestion yeah. charge, yeah. 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 Um, we've, we've had people... Have you felt that kind of similar strain? Um, What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I do. And I think, um, you know, it's just... it's Black cabs can still go in there without paying it, which, you know, I know he made that point yesterday as well. Is that fair? You know, they surely are... Yeah, well, the reason was, the main reason we've, we've found is, is is it's due to the kind of the will, the fact that they're kind of WAV vehicles um, for, for people with disabilities and therefore yeah, yeah. They're all, they've all been built and they're obviously more expensive yeah. vehicles and I think it's around the 60k mark or mm. whatever it is compared to, let's say, a Prius. But they well. still cause congestion, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we are providing yeah. a service, especially a company like yeah. Brunel, you know, we're dealing with corporate clients that need to get to airports. We're providing a vital service to London's economy. Don't disagree, yeah. Um, yeah so why point. do we have to pay it? On yeah. top of that, just on a practical level, we've had real big, big problems. We've actually tried to address with TfL recently through the fantastic LPHDA. Um, Mr. Steve Wright has helped us out massively with yeah. that. But just problems with the system itself. Um, it seems to be charging us and all sorts of different problems. So I don't think it was... I'm Personally, I don't think it was very well thought through. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the existing operators were consulted enough um, you know, and it, it has it cut congestion? That's that's what I yeah. would argue. You know, it hasn't stopped it, us going. Oh, well, actually, we can't pick you up from there anymore because of the congestion charge. Mm. It just means that we have to pay more money. Like the, yeah, now, is it tax, yeah. is it a tax mm -hmm. or is it to cut congestion? See, I think that's where it differs from ULEZ because I think with ULEZ we have actually seen people. Sorry, yes. the air in, yeah. in London is getting better. Yeah. It might be marginal. Sure, yeah. people might not like to pay the yeah. the, the twelve pound fifty or whatever it costs yeah. to come in. But the congestion charge is are the roads in London, central London, actually getting more, you know, empty and clear. I don't, I, work, I don't, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Well, you guys work at Hammersmith, yeah. um, more central London. I, you know, you it's exactly the same to me. I think as a driver, they brought out the English test. Then they brought out. Then we heard about the ULES. Then we heard about the congestion test. Um, congestion charge. It's like someone's just up there again. How are we going to hit private hire? But black cabs, I don't see nothing happening to them apart from the fifteen years to the 12 years. Because when we're talking about new vehicles, you still had black cabs with chimneys, oh, black smoke yeah, coming yeah. out of their cars. We had new, as many cab drivers, most of us had new vehicles. Yeah. Even old was like a 2013, yeah. but it was but you had 52 plates, 53 yeah, plates, yeah, black yeah. cabs. Well, it was mentioned in the Green Tomato podcast about how they're, I think it's 30 times more uh, polluting than yeah, the standard how vehicle. how are them old vehicles yeah. not polluting? It's like, yeah. but it's like someone's up there in TFL or whatever, just going, how are we going to get these guys? And that's three things, right? Tap it, tap it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I love your passion. I love it. I love it. I love it. Just do it from within here, man. <laughs> I mean, okay, so like, 
just to play devil's advocate, yeah, and right, I don't usually go. do here this, because I'm not that, I'm not a pro on the last episode cab on any level. <laughs> yeah, la- so last well. episode, and I'm about to ruin everyone's opinion. <laughs> um, there are some things where I can kind of relate to what they're saying, like the English test, for example. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they go through the knowledge so, for what is it, three yeah, years, yeah, yeah, four yeah, yeah, years, yeah, I, um, and the knowledge. It's not just about like uh, it's it's not just arbitrary things to learn about London. It's no. it's it's like you say about the manner, the way that you of handle course, clients. Absolutely. The way that yeah, you deal yeah, with them, yeah. and that's been a part of the establishment in London for a long time yeah. in in this private hire game. So, mm. so we should inform private hire yeah. the same way that they have been. Absolutely. Where I, where I disagree more is like not putting kind of blanket charges on everyone, yeah. um, and certain people feeling affected and other people not. I'm not going to pin the blame on, on black taxis. I think that they just have a really good lobbying board that really support them, and that's because the black taxi drivers come together and they work towards a common goal. I don't think it's them at all, and I think you're 100% right. They do work hard to gain this badge of honour. Mm. You know, you can safely get in the back of a black taxi and know this guy has had to work very hard. Mm. And you know, for tourists especially, that's a really important thing. You know, and the idea that someone can come along now and just kind of get a car, get your license really quickly, and do exactly mm. what I do, I can fully appreciate their point, mm. um, especially when they're not conducting themselves in the same manner that the black taxi drivers are. But that is the problem for me, the fact that they do have this large lobbying power. And for whatever reason, um, we've, you know, we do have a great lobbying board in terms of the LPHCA, mm-hmm. but for some reason, you know, it does, as you said, it does feel like it's kind of one rule for us and one rule for others. And that's a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if it means that we don't get charge congestion charge, or my view of it is, right, we've got an operator's license. On our operator's license, we've got a certain amount of vehicles that we can operate with. TfL will charge you varying degrees for how many vehicles you've got on the platform. So why can't we have that amount of vehicles exempt from the congestion charge? You're openly saying to us, TfL, that you know here's your vehicles, you can have these vehicles on the road, but then you're taxing us again for those vehicles. So why are we paying an operator's fee? You know, why don't you allow us to have? You know, and to be honest, I've always felt the congestion charge was bought out for those. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always thought this that for those drivers who, because they've got a badge in the window, they can do one job for Uber and they can use the congestion charge and do what they like on the weekends, or not the weekends, but the weekday and whatever else. We have a reason to be in London to pick up clients and we offer it in a service. We have a license from TFL that's given permissions to do so mm-hmm. and it's got a number of cars on there. So there should be some kind of link up between that. I think there's, it's, um, I'm not totally against it. I think, you know, cutting congestion ultimately is good because it means customers get places quicker. But if it's, that's not working, it's not cutting congestion, mm-hmm. then we're, we're essentially paying, what, what, who are we paying for? You know, mm. and again, it's you know, if you can afford to do it, you can afford to do it. If you can't afford to do it, you can't afford to do it. Mm. And it's that same old argument of is it therefore just a, ta- a tax mm. report, right? Um, you know, and we, we're doing a vital service, so by no means is it. I think that's a fair case. point, yeah. And with the black cabs, remember, you do a knowledge test, the price of a black cab that you're making for a journey to what mini cabs are make, making, oh. you should know the knowledge. That's the only difference. Mini cabs are not charging the same price as black cabs. Oh. So, does my knowledge need to be the same as a black well, it depends cabin? if Uber's surging and whatever else. Yeah. 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 We'll say, we'll go on. We'll start. We won't do that. Next time, next yes. time. Yes. Okay, I've got a quick random question off the top of my head. was actually, you know, has, how much easier is it to be a minicab driver, let's say, today than it was 15, 20 years ago? Maybe you guys know. So, to get the car, to get the license and, and get on the road. Uh, I think I know. Or even 10 years ago. So, I know on my road, i got two people that are like 20, 30 years, drove like a Rolls Royce as a company car. Mm. The other one's a black cab driver and I've got another one that used to be a minicab and I think they tell me 20 years you just got a car and you just drove someone around. I think there was like, wasn't it? I, mean, I know back in the day, everything the police used to look after us, so even like yeah, it wasn't, black cabs, it, it was police, right? Yeah, it wasn't it like, used to be TFL. So it TFL, wasn't, it I wasn't think as hard. You never had all these tests and okay. fees and the car could just pee. Anything. People used to make them, mm. make, it could be any car. You just, sure, sure jumped in the car and drove it around. Good I think it's, it's probably a little bit harder, but I still think it could it's a lot harder even, even slightly more. You know, I think from looking at, for example, the DBS check we were talking about earlier, you know, we're much more severe than TfL are for many things. We can't take drivers on and they've got a PCO license. So I think that they could do more in terms of, you know, essentially these guys are taking members of the public. You know, bus drivers, for example, I imagine have to go through Slightly more than yeah, an average piece. Yeah, yeah, and they should be. Yes, uh, absolutely. You're, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're transporting members of the yeah, public. Yeah, yeah. There probably should be a little bit more in there. Um, but I'd say, as Wayne said, I think compared look, to... Look, I mean, look, anyone that gets a PCO licence, I think you should have to do like a 20-minute driving test. 
I agree with that. And well, that's something yeah. else that I see we did, mention that, bring out. Yeah, that's the fourth thing. Yeah. So not well, only have they done new yeah. layers, blah, 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 now they're going to do... Because we actually do our own driving assessments when drivers come to us. Wow. So every every driver, well, every potential driver who wants to get a car from us, whether it's renting or rent to buy, yeah. we do, we do a, a quick uh, theory test. I think it's 20 questions. Yeah. They go for a quick drive with our uh, driving instructor. Yeah. The majority pass, but obviously some don't. If they, if they don't, we can offer them advice to come back or improve in their driving mm. skills. But and maybe, is that for insurance purposes? I mean, is well, it's it always for a whole range of features. So yeah. there's the insurance element to it, yeah. but most importantly, it's about safety. Yeah, ultimately, absolutely. we want people yeah. to get home safe to their families, yeah. and you know, we don't want to be putting people who are risks yeah, out yeah, on the road. And, and it's it's not a driving test. It's not it's not the same as like, oh, no. uh, do you, can you read the signs? Yes. Do you know where a red light yeah. is? Yeah. Is yeah. how. Do you drive yes. in the scenario? Mm -hmm. Which I don't think there are a lot of te barriers at the moment testing people on that one oh, yeah. question. That's yeah. quite an important question. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that should be something that's you know universal in this industry in London. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it should be mandatory. I think it should be mandatory, yeah. like driving tests, like not sorry, driving tests, but a test, mm -hmm. and also like not only how they drive but how they communicate and how mm -hmm. they speak. I'm mm -hmm. more for that mm -hmm. than an English test. Mm -hmm. Because an English test, when you hear it, even me and I was born here, mm. it's the only language I do speak. <laughs> and you're telling me I got to do an English test? I studied here. Mm. Well, you so, can get around it if you, because actually we we work, you with, we, we work with uh, Trinity or have in the past. I have to provide GCSEs. You've got to provide something. You, you I shouldn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that, yeah. And we saw the test. And, like, and also, a lot of drivers here, they're not, they come here to work, right? They come from other countries and they work their butt off. <laughs> they work, work, work. And if you talk to them, like... British, they don't, we hear British people like, we want our breaks and fag breaks. These people aren't here for that. They say, we come here, I didn't come here for friends. I come here to work, work, I work here. At least here. one friend would be nice. Yeah, one friend would be nice. <laughs> but, but the, but the, ambition, your friend. the, the ambition these people have, and then you bring out this English test, and these people are like, oh, I've had people say, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, but you speak English well. Yes, Wayne, but I can't write that well. And the fact that these people are worried about their, their, their job, you know what I mean? I just don't think it's fair. Give them a... Drive around within fifteen minutes. I, I, I think no, we, that, get, we get that fear. We, yeah. we understand that anxiety around it because drivers came to us about we did, we did free English lessons in the past uh, mm. when it was I think at the time imminent that the English test was going to come in. Obviously, it's been delayed and delayed, and I think it's still delayed now. So it's the next year, September or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know anymore. But it just yeah. keeps on getting pushed was, back. Yeah, it wasn't but, kind uh, of well through anything. I think um, I think you're 100 right though. I think and we learned that from the cameras we were discussing earlier mm. that we've had this impression of all of our drivers. Oh, he's a fantastic driver. You know, we never get complaints. And then you look at him in the camera, then you suddenly realise, oh, he's very aggressive braking, or he speeds mm. quite a lot, or he, he's cut that guy up and he's put his middle finger up, or whatever. And you don't get that as a profile of driver, but that kind of stuff is more important because if you're in a consumer in the back, you're looking at that and going, oh, I don't feel so safe. Yeah. Whereas something like, oh, the guy doesn't have a chat with me about the football. Yeah. Well, me personally, and you know, yeah. not to be horrible, but it's early morning. I thought, mm -hmm. You know, you don't, you're not in the mood to talk, really. That, I'd rather you just get me yeah. there safely than talk to me about that, football. That's why I almost feel, and I'm just thinking this as I say it, um, but, you know, kind of based on what both of you are saying, it, mm. it should kind of be framed less as an English test and more mm. as a communication test. 100%. 100%. Because we've got drivers who, as you would say, English isn't, perfect it isn't you know to an academic level but in terms of communication they're spotless we never have a faultless sorry we never have a problem with explaining to them there's an issue we've never had a customer call up and say i tried to tell him where i was going but if he did his english language test and had to it's like you've got to write something yeah, which i find completely you had to pick a, one of the, one, one of the mean, questions was like you had, to, you had to pick a topic whether it's yeah. like a, a sport yeah. or a team you follow yeah. or whatever or your favourite mum's food. And it's a riot that. You have to write two, three hundred words around that. I don't get that either. No. It should be more around, yeah. you know, if there's an issue in the car, yes, and the, the rider needs yep. to speak to the, and yep. communicate with the with the driver in yep. a good manner, that's when the driver's skill set That's where a 15, 15 minute testing them would, you would do all that within and 15. Where, You've charged them 121.95, whatever. Mm -hmm. A test person, 15 minutes, 20 yeah. minutes, and you go through it. You don't need to be... That whole thing, English test, mm. just gears... It, it does, it doesn't make... And, you know, for us, we've had guys who can speak perfect English come in, and we ask them those questions. What would you do in this scenario? We used to do a role play um, as well. Yeah, we get them in the back so. of the car, and then we pretend to be a difficult customer and see how they react. And we've got guys who speak perfect English, and actually, they're not very good at it. They, come, mm. they might be a bit arrogant, or they might say the wrong things. And we've got someone who's... English is definitely not the first language. I wouldn't say they're a confident thing, but... They're perfect, and if you're a consumer, you'd say, 
great driver, you know. So you speak to Trinity and TFL. It sounds like you're uh, your version of a uh, kind of customer. Well, I'm here, yeah, yeah. TFL. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Mr. Khan or anyone who's listening, I'm happy to happy to sit down. Uh, I think it's a good time to to, to move on a little bit. Uh, Karina, do we have any questions uh, from the audience? Uh, yes. Our lovely question. Facebook friends, big big <laughs> wave. Okay, awesome. Um, um, shall I repeat that just in case I didn't catch on the mic? Yeah. Uh, she just asked her, how, how can a driver join Bruno? So, uh, we've got a website, uh, joinbrunel.com. Nice and easy to get to. Um, we've got all the kind of different schemes on there. We've got a quick registration page where you can send us your details. It will then take you onto a more detailed page where you can upload all your documents so it can all be done there remotely. Some drivers don't like to do that. They don't like to use a website. If they don't, they can just give us their details and my lovely colleague, Mr. Wayne Elaine here, will give them a call Wayne and talk them through it. It's almost as good as Johnny Goldstone, yeah, though. Right. You know, every week's just yeah, improving. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Elaine. Wayne Elaine. Wayne Elaine. That's yeah. the only reason we hired him. <laughs> <laughs> just for this Elaine. podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, name is so, going to yeah. be trending after yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Wayne Elaine. Um, so yeah, really easy. We've got a website. Uh, we've also got an email address. You guys are welcome to reach out to us on drive at brunel.com. Uh, so nice and easy. You're welcome to send us an email as well. Uh, you can also call us uh, 027 068 5275. Memorize, um, I love it. Straight <laughs> off. Yeah. No, no, yes, no hesitancy yes. there. <laughs> 5204 is a recruitment line which goes directly through to Mr. Wayne. Cool. Um, I also must stress as well if you are not comfortable with emailing or taking pictures, just come down with all your documents. Um, and where was that again? Where can they go? Where was the office? You work there. <laughs> Is it one hub? Do you have a few hubs in London? So, but yeah, the, 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 basically, it's quite. It's a bit. It's a bit of a new office. Uh, it's a bit kind of. Um, so, if you type in Brunel SE7. Uh, we've got a pin exactly where the office is. Uh, we do have a headquarters in Bow, but we generally don't see too many drivers out of there now because we do have the onboarding centre. Full postcode is SE77TS. We're directly behind Northgate. Yeah. yeah. And, and for people that just want to chat to you now, and if they don't want to join us, they, they know your extension now. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you noticed I didn't give out my personal email? No, I thought that. But unfortunately, you know my name. It won't take too many links yeah. to get there. Um, no, Google search. You'll yes, find it. yes, cool. yes. Uh, any more questions, Karina, from the audience? Yes. Would you accept a driver with Mercedes Vita? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we would. We'll just say again, sorry. Yeah. Just for oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was, would you accept a driver with a Mercedes Benz Vita? Uh, no, we wouldn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, we would, yeah. Um, so Mercedes Vita would want what because it would be kind of an executive MPV. Um, so there would be kind of all sorts of work that that driver could do. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful yeah, car. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, great cars. Great cars. <laughs> Any more? That's good for now. I, I, right, I, I have just one question. Um, just just a random one. What what are your your two um, favourite cars? Ooh, on the spot. On the spot. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a move get out the way <laughs> big vehicle guy. So we had the Kia Nero, perfect for you. I'm a four by four guy, so I'm a, a Range Rover, <laughs> Land Rover guy. Cool, awesome. Yeah. Um, Michael. Uh, so we've got a Fiat Panda at home, 2010. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. That's no, disappointing. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I've lived in London all my life, so cars weren't really a thing for me, public transport. Um, however, I would say uh, probably a Golf, Volkswagen Golf. That's a sturdy probably car. The, probably the best car that um, I've, uh, I've yeah. owned, seen. I need to be careful with <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, best for me, the Volkswagen Golf. Okay. We'll leave it there. Yes. Perfect, perfect. Yes. Um, and seeing you, as you guys are obviously global, yeah. um, with many, I mean, you can, there's a whole list of uh, yeah, countries yeah, yeah. that you guys work in all around the globe. Um, yeah. We've got a awesome little game, which I'll let Ish explain. I'll be oh, yeah, participating yeah. in this as well. I guess it kind of follows on from what we were just talking about, right, but yeah. um, I, we really thought about the name of this one. Okay. Um, and we settled on Wagon World. Okay. Wagon World. It's quite good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We'll put a little jingle in there for the podcast there, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah got a awesome little game which I'll let Ish explain. We really thought about the name of this one and we settled on and we settled on and we settled on Wagon World. Wagon World. Wagon World. It's quite good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this episode's game will be, I've got a map and everything. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm going to tell you guys the country, yeah. um, and all three of you. Rich hasn't uh, hasn't seen this list either. Um, oh, last no, week, no, for really anybody really for anybody that doesn't know, he got uh, a grand total of zero points. Hopefully this week you can uh, boost those numbers. I'm super week. competitive, so yeah. I really do want to win. I'm going to put out there now. I want to win. The prize <laughs> is respect. <laughs> <laughs> the prize yeah, is yeah, respect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a coffee. Um, yeah, <laughs> coffee. Uh, I'm going to give you the country. You guys have to tell me what the most popular car make, um, oh. best-selling car make is in that oh. country. And you get an extra bonus point if right. you tell me what the specific model, model is okay. in the car make. Um, so we'll start easy. Is we'll it like we all, like, is it, <laughs> we all press the buzzer or we can all go at the same time? No, no, I think you can all put, put forward your, your answers. Okay, alright, we we'll can, uh, Let's start easy, Japan. Um, I am going to say... I'm gonna go with Honda. I was gonna say Hyundai. Hang on, mate. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the order of this? By the way, you've got to decide. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, I'm gonna say Honda, orders. and you want a car, mate, for extra bonus points. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna say Honda, and I'm gonna go with um, uh, Civic. Interesting. <sighs> I was going to say, hey, I have a clue. Okay. I'm going to copy and paste that answer, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this was actually... All right, you know what, I'll go Suzuki. I don't know. Okay, okay. this was an Does impressive first round. Yeah. Um, yeah. You all got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> delete, copy and paste. It <laughs> is the Toyota Aqua. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, oh my God. I should mention... This is the problem we're going to have with names. pretty bad. I should mention that this was from 2018, just in case anybody's going to ask. See, if you look at now, the most popular car in Japan is the Honda Civic. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise we were using Honda. So we're going to get a little bit tougher. Um, Kazakhstan. You guys are a global country. You guys are a company. You guys are a global country. Yeah, I see what you've done there. I see what you've done there. I first last time. Was it Kazakhstan, did you say? Yeah. Kazakhstan. Good old Kazakhstan. Oh my god, I don't know. My favourite destinations to go on my holidays, Kazakhstan. Pass for the meantime. Oh, um. I'm gonna go Toyota Hilux. Interesting. Never heard of this place before. So <laughs> I'm just gonna say. Was it Borat Land? Yes, yes, yes. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Mitcha, I can't even say the word. Mitcha, Mitcha. Yeah, yeah, what you said. <laughs> My one comes out a bit different when I say it. <laughs> Are you gonna stay past? Uh, come on. Jeep. Okay, well, Michael, you got one point for guessing Toyota. Yes. And it's the Toyota Camry. Actually, there we go. Which seems to be quite a popular car. It's probably um, a pickup or something. I swear. Brazil. We'll do two more, I reckon. Brazil, Brazil. Uh, Wayne should go first. Oh. <laughs> it's democracy. We've got to go different. Brazil. Brazilians drive. Right? Football. <laughs> they like football. You know, stylish they people. Football. They've mm, got they the samba. I can see them driving theatre for They've got... Mm. Oh. Kind of some cool Italian yeah. car, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of Italian immigrants mm. in Brazil. I'm going for a Fiat. I'm going for a Fiat. I know it's okay. completely wrong, but... <laughs> I'm going to say BMW. I know they don't. That's German, Interesting. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna be boring and stick with Toyota. You love them, don't you? Well, just I know that the Toyota <laughs> pickup is one of the best-selling cars in the world <laughs> okay. from Top Gear. So you could keep saying Toyota. One of them will be Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might change. I might right. change. It's actually the Chevrolet Onyx. Wow. Yeah. Never really got that. Um, okay. We've got two more. I think Richie, you'll probably be good on this one. Italy. Fiat. And I'm gonna go for the Punto. Interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go. I would have gone Fiat, but I'm gonna mix it up. I'm gonna go. Um, I want to say Alfa Romeo, but I know they don't sell many cars. Um, no, no, you go foul for a minute. That's a great choice. <laughs> but I'm warming it up, so I'm like, oh. Um, this is where my competitive side comes out. I'm going to cry at the end of this. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> it's not what you want. No, um, you are in the league. It's not what I want. Well, I know, it's the end of the series, so you can <laughs> yeah, cry yeah, real yeah, sad. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, so I'm going to go. I'm, oh, what should I go? Uh, You're in the go. lead at the moment. So I know, I know. You've got to try hard to win. I'm going to go um, Nissan. Interesting. I'm right. going to stick with Fiat, but I'm going to say Fiat 500. Interesting. Ooh. Well, you Cinquecento. I love it. Yeah. Ooh, I know that car's popular. Well, you both got one point. Um, hey. Which means you're all tired going into the final round. It was actually the Fiat Panda. Oh, oh that's a We even own one. I own a Panda. I know you own a Panda. And I know you're kicking yourself. Yeah, yeah. That was my one chance. That was my golden opportunity. That's one of my wife's favourite cars, so she's going to be very. We're all tied, so what better place to go to than the UK? Okay. 
Can I go first? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I should specify this is actually England. Okay. Uh, Ford Focus. Good shout. I was going to go Mondeo because I know it would have been a Mondeo beforehand, but I don't think it is because the Mondeo doesn't really sell anymore. I'm going to actually go BMW 3 Series. Okay. I love that you're all kind of respecting each other's choices. Let me say it. Very English. Don't even know. I'll say a Vauxhall Corsa. Interesting. Vox are big. Well, you know, these were all great guesses. They were all wrong. It's the Volkswagen Golf. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The car, <laughs> twice now. The VW. So I mentioned the Panda today yeah. and the Golf, and they both turned out. Hey, what better way to end the final game yeah. than all on a draw? Everyone keeps their pride intact. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it was a draw, right? Yeah. It was a draw, 1-1-1. Yeah, one, 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 yeah. yeah. Everyone keeps their pride A nice neutral draw. Okay, guys, I think so. On that uh, on that note, uh, that concludes today's episode. And, of course, the last of Series 1. Uh, Ish, I can see the tears in your eyes already. Yeah, and, uh, Draw the curtains to an excellent first series. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a great, great It's been a great ride, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There's more to come in Season 2 as well. Uh, Michael and Wayne, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. It's been a great, Absolute yeah. Pleasure. It's been awesome to have you on board. And we'll definitely keep in touch and yeah. see how things go in the future. Uh, to all our listeners, thank you for joining us over the last 10 episodes. And to people on Facebook, hello and goodbye. Um, thanks for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure serving you all we hope you've learned something new about the private home industry and companies up through now and the captain and riders and the drivers and everybody in between uh, before you go into a deep state of depression with no more on the road I will say we're already working on season two uh, we'll have more operators, uh, drivers, and there'll be a twist to the tail with some car manufacturers on board as well. So that should be very interesting. Well, after after that game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we'll be starting some of series out. two. <laughs> um, if you, the listener or Facebook uh, person, would like uh, us to cover anything in season two, then please do get in touch. Our Twitter and Facebook handle is at UK. And if you've not done so already, please subscribe and rate us and spread the good word to other PCO drivers about our podcast. Um, I think that wraps it up. Thanks, guys. Um, See everybody else. Have a great time and stay safe on the road. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.